based on the information I have and what I was told and just your background actually piques my curiosity because, and believe it or not, as I was prepping for this, I just had a conversation with someone yesterday who mentioned um, spirituality. Mm-hmm. And it was a conversation about what it means to certain people. And sometimes based on that conversation and then upon reflection, I think spirituality at times has like um, a bad reputation. How mm-hmm. some people view it as um, opposing religion. And I don't think it's, it's, it's that. I just think it's someone who um, is in um, one with themselves. Understand their energy and the impact of that energy. But I'll turn it to you and ask, what is spiritual psychology? So, so spiritual psychology starts with the uh, a shift in the basic premise. So many times, you know, growing up, if we were the type of people that went to church, you know, all the time and, and things like that, is we were living our lives almost like humans in search of a spiritual experience. Well, the paradigm shift in spiritual psychology is that, in fact, we are already divine spiritual beings, and we are here on this earth having a human experience. And so it's an absolute shift. So we're not searching for something that already, that that is us. And then from that perspective, how do we navigate our time here on this planet? And how does that impact you know, mental health and our relationships and, and as we set out for goals, like in our lives, that there are spiritual goals and their physical goals and how all those things come together. I must say the way you explained it, definitely 100% better than the way I was trying to explain it. <laughs> um, because that's what I thought it was. That's what I, I truly thought it was, where it's divinity, but the human aspect is that a good, although simplistic summary of it, where you're taking that type of energy and you're living and you're trying to figure out how to live in this crazy world that we call Earth and life? You know, it's, it's so funny because when we look at a newborn baby, it's one, the baby's 100% pure light. And you don't have to tell the baby that it's precious and that it's divine it's already knows and it knows to a level that the knowing is is in the knowing. And it's as we get older and we start trying to intellectualize and interpret our life events that we forget that we're already precious and divine. Yes, and I think that's why we're always chasing our youth because we put such um, preciousness, such value on that childlike experience because you're right when we look at a newborn we're not thinking all these crazy adult thoughts right oh my god this child's gonna is this child gonna be a burden on society they're gonna grow up to this this child just opens his or her eyes and it's just instant beauty even um maybe some of the coldest of people can look at a child and appreciate its beauty do you feel sometimes we begin to lose sight of that beauty as we get older and try to maybe put a logical spin on something that should be just as simple and as beautiful as the experience of a child? You know, it's, it's a, that's a great question. Thank you so much for asking. And it makes me think about um, an infant learning how to walk. 
So the child starts learning how to walk, stumbles, falls, you know, gets back up. It falls again, gets back up, falls again, gets back up, falls again. You get where this is going, right? And they just keep doing so they get stronger. But what happens to many of us when we get older? We fall, we sit there on the floor or ground, we lament, you know, I'm a failure. What is, you know, I come, I can't just keep standing and running. And it's it's interesting how it keeps coming back to the, the mental aspect of of how we're processing you know well, let me go talk to someone that's gonna help me get up you know like you okay you can get back up you know so um yes it's like it's expected for us to when we fall to stay down and kind of look to our left look to our right and say can someone help me um instead of getting back up and one example of that i saw and i'm glad that you mentioned the children i was driving um to the hospital I was dropping someone off and I saw these two kids. They're so happy. You probably seen they're running up and down the street. They're laughing. They're having the time of their life, right? They, they both fall to the ground. And most people, when they see children fall, they'll be like, oh, are they going to be okay? They looked at each other and laughed, got back up and ran some more. <laughs> they're not concerned about all the things that we have going on with our life. And I, Give that example to people listening, people out there, is that sometimes, well, not sometimes, many times as an adult, we are so wrapped up, we're so concerned Mm -hmm. with being serious that we forget sometimes to be silly. I told someone, don't you just want to get up one day, go to your closet, grab a wig and just slide across (laughs) your house to your favorite song and dance? And then she was like, well, what are people going to think? Exactly. Children don't care. No, they don't people care at think all. they don't care you think those children cared if they cried then they would care but because they're having so much fun they didn't even realize the pain they didn't even realize the that maybe the safety concerns they just got back up and started running again um for you mm-hmm. how much of you how much of your experience do you put into your work when you look back on it today versus maybe when you first started? So it, it's been my whole journey. My, my twin brother um, left this realm when I was 18. So, so it was through the process of, of moving through grief that I learned to really embrace love. It was like, you know, where is the gain in this pain? And it was only through loving that um, I was able to to start moving into you know who I am today. So so it's just it's helped me. It's informed me. Um, it's taught me so much. And I got to the University of Santa Monica, you know, as a result of that journey because we were our first clients. You know, we worked with ourselves. We worked through our own issues. Look, issue by tissue, issue by tissue, issue by tissue. <laughs> You know, you know, until the box is empty so that we could have that space to fill it up with the next thing. Do you think we all are capable of having that space that you just described? I am a firm believer that we all have the inner resources and tools to effectively deal with the challenges that um, confront us in this lifetime. And, And that is not to say that we don't need support. We all need each other. 
you know, I teach high school and I tell my students, you know, who think, you know, I don't need anybody to see my head moving on that one. And I was like, look, let's cut it out. It took, it took two, it took two other souls in human bodies or the result of those of that to bring you here. So it's by design that we need each other. So that if we need help, if we need support, that it's available to us. But on the fundamental internal level, we can get through it if we're willing to peel the layers of our onion. That's a, that's a good point that you mentioned in regards to the teachers, because I hold educators in such high regard because I feel that they're shaping the next generation, generation after generation after generation. And when you mentioned the independence and how many people, as you put it, will say, um, I don't need anyone. We hear, and I apologize in advance to my female listeners. You hear women say, I don't need no man or <laughs> things like that, right? <laughs> or you, you know, you hear men will say um, something along the lines, well, I don't need a woman to do this, right? But when you take a shift and take it away from us, when we want to punish criminals, we isolate them. Yet many of us want to isolate ourselves willingly from other people. Do you find in your work that the independence maybe is causing more, more unintentional harm to their mindset versus we should build a community? Let's say, for example, you and I, we build a community and then we pass a community to the future. You know, it's interesting, particularly at this time that we're dealing with COVID because we got um, mandatory isolation. So so it's kind of brought it to the forefront on um, a whole nother level in terms of people feeling that they're by themselves. And, and a lot of people who are used to being very social, it was the opposite effect, the forced isolation to, for them felt like a sense of incarceration, you know, and then wanting to, you know, wanting to get out and connect with people. You know, it's just, it's just different people have different paths. Sometimes we have to stop and be still and, and, and listen to ourselves and see what's going on. And then there's a time to say, hey, I need to really reach out, um, pick up the phone, call someone, FaceTime someone, jump on a Zoom call and see each other and be together. And that's how we support the growth of the community that you were describing. And that's why I'm so appreciative of conversations like you and I are having today. Um, there may have been a point in time where you and I would not have met. Absolutely. Right. And now we are both in each other's universe, spirit, exactly. if you want to say, right. And you give and I take, and I give, and you take. And then when we go our separate waves, we're changed. Exactly. Some may say brother fed better. Some may say for the worse. Some may say in the middle. I'm hoping I'm changing everyone's life positively, by the way. But, <laughs> <laughs> but think about where we, can, where we can go from here. It can be a world as beautiful as the background that you have, where you just look at it and... It's truly what they say, a picture is worth a thousand words. When we are putting ourselves out there, because you mentioned you had a loss of a family member. When you have that type of experience, it's traumatic. And for many people, that catapults them to the next level. When you have the conversations that you mentioned, Dr. Silov, within yourself, 
What are you telling yourself that maybe you wish you knew a few years ago? Well, it has taught me to not take, I have, don't take grace for granted. You know, we assume that we're going to get to see someone again. You know, I mean, and again, the COVID has brought that, shifted that, that paradigm that there's a certainty, but to tap, you know, into love, like even I tell my students, even if you're mad at someone, if you're mad at your siblings, you know, you get on my nerves, but I still love you. Like make sure that love is the, the everlasting connection. Yes, because love is fluid. Right. It won't it won't stop where if you and I are, are, are siblings and you do something, I may not love you at that moment. And I like you. I, exactly. <laughs> but I exactly. Always love you. I might not like you, but I always love you. <laughs> and I and I love that you said that because you can love someone but not always like them. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's where some people get the it confused. They feel that you always have to be in a state of loving someone. Oh, sorry, of liking someone. But as long as you have loved someone, there's people that I haven't talked to maybe in a few weeks. I still love them. Mm-hmm. And when I get in contact with them, that love rushes back. It's like a, it's like a dam. When you lift up that dam, the water comes flowing. That's what love is to me. Um, I think if you ask anybody who's been in, in a long-term relationship, uh, 24-7 liking is not required. <laughs> you didn't wash the dishes today. I don't like you today. So don't talk to me. <laughs> you know, it's it's the it's the little thing. It's it's because we all we all have things that I don't want to say trigger because when people think of trigger, they think of like mental health. Yes. Right. Um, we have things that will set us off, and we have things that will annoy us. I guess is the best way to describe it, but it's all love. It's like, um, I forget who said it. It's all love, baby. You know, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things, but when you, can I say something about, of course, you, when you brought up, like, because you did something, you was like, you know, I don't want to think that cause it's mental health, you know, and it's kind of like, almost like that's taboo, but you know, in reality, there's all types of health. You know, there's physical health, spiritual health, emotional health, sexual health. I tell my students academic health. And and if we want total well-being, that it's important that we embrace those things and to take the taboo off of mental health is just another area of ourselves that we need to care for. Yeah, it's like there's a lack of understanding for mental health. Right. And it's it's like once you mention it, people, some people automatically get triggered. They think right? they feel something's wrong with them. Like I'm broke. Exactly. And that's yeah. not the case at all. It's like, as the saying goes, it's not that deep. It's not it's, it's serious, <laughs> but it's not that serious, you know. Yeah, these are not the days where you know we think you're you have a demon. You know, mm-hmm. remember those times where you talk about mental health, you're possessed. you know like people run to get their bibles and their holy water and things like that you know like oh my god no it's it's, it's just i didn't feel loved as you know i didn't feel the love that my that i felt i should get from my parents i i don't need all of this (laughs) right but exactly and depression depression is is part of that mental health category and it's something that we all feel 
at different times in our lives and a lot, you know, something happens, someone passes away, you know, relationship ends, the, a job ends, which is also a relationship, but it's just, it's always present. So, so it's important that we, um, like the light that's above my head, we shine the light on it in a way so that everyone knows that they're safe and, and it's normal. And we're just all here to help and support each other. Yeah, like you would think that, um, like, I'll use you as an example. Like when you had the family member that passed, you would speak about that because you're, you're going through the grieving process, however it is that you're going through it. Look at the last 18 months. You'd be hard pressed to find someone that hasn't lost something, right? Whether it be job, family member, loss of security, something. I can, we would argue that everyone has lost something. Loss, the question of, loss, is, of, loss of freedom to, to be able to yeah. breathe freely, you know, breathing through masks, trying to communicate through masks, you know, it, it, it's, it's just really um, impactful, you know, in terms of us having to shift. But just, I want to just, the people alone, in America alone, over 810,000 people have directly died of COVID. And, and that's not the other people that were associated with it. They didn't get the mammogram in time. They didn't get to have the surgery in time. There was no um, room at the end, you know, no room at the hospital. And so there, there are secondary deaths that are still directly impacted or a result of COVID. So, so it's, a, it's a national loss. It's a global loss. And, um, you know, it's important that we, you know, heal and we can't heal if we're not talking about it you know so if people have lost someone you know say their name you know in the african tradition they say as long as your name is being called you are your spirit lives in the present and that's exactly what i what i wanted to say and i'm glad you said that i think since everyone has lost something, everyone needs to have that conversation just as easy as if it was a family member that passed. If you've lost um, your job, mm -hmm. speak about it. If you've lost your relationship, speak about it. 2020, they said that divorce and broken relationship were on the rise, right? I read an article this morning that said that as divorces was increasing in 2020, they said that it decreased in 2021. And people were like, yay! But when you search beneath the surface, what you began to realize was that people were staying together, not because of love, because of finance. Mm -hmm. When you get behind the shades. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Right. And I love that tie. And thank you. I didn't pay her, by the way, guys. I didn't, I didn't pay her for that. This is strictly. But that's a concern. Can you imagine someone's with you? Not because they love you, because it's better to be with you than out there. Because the last thing you want is to be homeless and loveless. Right? Exactly. Not both of them. It's a whole, not, whole lot of not liking going on. <laughs> yeah. So with that all said, and I'm, I'm, love that and this is the type of conversation i think everyone should have like seriousness but some humor but some humor with it back to the children who fell down who just dusted themselves off and laughed mm -hmm. when you're having these types of conversations dr c love how do you position it because what's working for you and i today may not work for those you come in contact with 
Well, one of the things, you know, as a soul-centered um, life coach, you know, I consider myself a professional listener. And, and so taking the time to really listen and also being willing to sit in the silence, being willing to sit in the uncomfortability, you know, as working with youth in particular, I have found that if you just wait, you know, they'll come on, they'll come on, you know, so a lot of times we just get into a little stare down, you know, eyes of the window to the soul, and we just look into each other's soul, and, and it's so cute sometimes, because, you know, even older, you know, it, it, at every age, because we're really children inside, so they'll look down, look back at me, like, is it safe, you know, look down, look back at me, is it safe, and I'm just looking like, you're safe, you're good, let it go, and surely, slowly but surely, begin to share. Yeah, as we grow as we grow up, we learn how to speak. We learn how to hear, but we're not taught to communicate, like you just mentioned. And we're not taught how to listen, like you mentioned as, as well. How important is that? Like everything that you've just expressed and how you've refined this ability to listen to others. Mm-hmm. How critical is that in what you do? It's it's absolutely imperative because remember when I said earlier that everybody has the inner resources to effectively deal with their challenges. So so the information that they need to heal is actually within them. So by providing the space and opportunity for them to begin to, as I like to describe it, um, peel the layers of the onion. Then they begin to say, and then sometimes, and I'll, I'll do, I'm in the position where I'll say like, well, I just heard you say, and they're like, I said that, I mean, that's what I heard you say, you know, you know, does that fit for you? You know? And then it's like, I said that, okay, that's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm feeling. Okay. And then what does that mean for you? And then they'll say, well, if, if that's what I'm saying, then this, that, and the other, and they're like, oh, okay. So it's like, I'm facilitating a conversation with their me, myself, and I. Was there a time where you needed that in your life? And if so, who was able who was able to help you with that? So that's why I said I went to the University of Santa Monica. You know, shout out to my professors, Dr. Ron and Mary Holnick. You know, they are some, they are spiritual pioneers. The school has been open for over 40 years and um, they have just helped people navigate the exact conversation with themselves that I'm describing. I learned it from them. So, so to be able to get to that within your, myself made me available to be able to assist others to do the same. You know, just like anybody, you learn to play basketball, you get older, now you can coach them because you know the rules of the game. So it sounds like that you were brought up in a community with these well-respected professors, and now you're building your own branch off of that same communities. Would that be a good example? You've, uh, Roots of a tree and fruits of a tree. <laughs> is how, well, I will phrase it this way. Now that you've done that, you've taken from your mentors and now you're mentoring others as well. Um, would you, how proud would you be if there was someone who speaks about you the same way you speak about your professors and your school experience? 
you know, it, to me, it's an honor to be of service. And, and I just love people. I love listening to the stories, to the journey, the journeys. To me, we are each and all just so amazing and so strong and so beautiful and so wonderful. And so it's just, you know, to be an honor, you know, it's kind of like, Ashe, you know, or namaste, you know, and just thank you. <laughs> Glad I can help. <laughs> I'm telling you, when I get, when people give me positive feedback and constructive as well, when they say they enjoy what I do, that to me is something that if I could, I would bottle it and put it on a mantle. It's mm-hmm. so important to me to hear that I've impacted someone positively in a way that maybe a year ago when I started this, I I couldn't even believe that people would want to hear what I have to say and enjoy the guests such as yourself that I bring to the show. You know, one of the things that at the University of Santa Monica, they ask three fundamental questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And how can I make the greatest contribution? And so to me, that's what you're talking about. It's like, now you found a way to make a contribution. And as we're making that contribution, we are finding that soul satisfaction of, of, of living a purpose-filled life. And I hope that everyone would find their purpose at some point because some people find it very young. Like I knew um, speaking to people was something that I always wanted to do. This goes back to my Bible study days and me speaking in front of the congregation in regards to the, the, the teachings. That was in my late teens up until now in my in my 30s, I knew that was something that I wanted to do. Do you feel that there's a way to maybe help people find their purpose in life sooner rather than later? Absolutely. That is my, every day I step into that high school classroom. I'm like, look, you know, tap in now, you know, connect in to to what brings you joy, what makes you happy. And I said, you're going to have to have a way to take care of yourself financially in this world. Now, you could just do anything to make that happen, or you could do something that brings you joy, that, that, that means something to you, that like even on days where I might not particularly want to go to work, I tell them, I say, I always love being here with you. I always consider this, uh, uh, this moment to assist your children and grandchildren <laughs> an honor and a privilege. So it, it, it's important. And, and that's also why talking to someone and, and help and getting that support to get clarification so that we spend our days doing the things that mean the most to us. And that also goes back to what I said about, you know, not taking grace for granted. A day in our life is grace. A day in our life is grace. I was listening to somebody on TikTok, I think, and they were saying there's like 26,800 or 26,000 something seconds in a day. And, um, how we spend those seconds matter. And those seconds are moments, the moments of our lives that make up our lives. What are we doing with them? How are we using them to contribute while we're here? I love that breakdown because it puts things into perspective because sometimes we would look at the clock and we would say, well, it's only 30 minutes, but when you break it down into seconds, like if everyone were to break down their day into minutes, and realize how much time they spend doing certain things, it would open their eyes to a different world, essentially. Um, When it comes to the spiritual journey, if I were to take myself, for example, how would you help someone 
who is at the beginning of their spiritual journey, but they have an end point in sight. Can you say a little bit more when you say the end point? So let's say um, if I were to start my journey and I'm looking at an end point as I want to be able to help people more, but I need to better myself mm-hmm. and my energy to help those people. How would you help someone like me along that journey? So, so we would start. So, and that's the part I love about being a coach. You know, there's, you know, there's different levels of support and, and there's a difference between the coaching and the counseling. So we start with a goal in mind. Let's say someone says, um, I want to lose 50 pounds. So I'm just using this as an example. So they say they want to lose 50 pounds. Okay. Now that's the goal. Then it says, where are you right now? And then where would you be if you do nothing? So it's getting a real visual picture of the goal. And then in, in three foot tosses, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to get the salad or I'm going to start going to the gym and this, that, and the other. And then as we work together, well, what happened? How are you doing? You know, I ate, I ate some chocolate cake. Da, 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 da. Now they're beating themselves up. Well, you can't, you have to, you have to heal that because that guilt and that, that, that non-self-forgiveness is a blocker. So now we're talking, well, you know, well, why did you eat the chocolate cake? You know, such as didn't come to find out as those layers get peeled that when the person was a child, whenever they were nervous, whenever they were anxious, their grandmama used to give them chocolate, make them chocolate cake. So then getting that clarity, say, oh, okay, so that's my grandma loving me. And to stop eating the cake would be to say bye to grandma. But then we can go in and facilitate a conversation in two areas. One would probably found that out by talking to the cake. So what is the cake telling you? You know, I'm here, it's nurturing, you're, you know, you're going to be okay, you know. And now that's, now that's clear. Now we have a conversation with the client and their grandmother. And, and grandma's just like, baby, it wasn't about the cake. I just wanted you to know I love you. You know, and so now they can put the cake down and get a little closer to the goal. So piece by piece by piece by piece, not the cake, (laughs) they get to the goal. That's such a beautiful example because there's a few things that I look at that I have that type of attachment where it means more than the actual object. And you're right. There's probably many of us who sees something, for example, food as something more than food, or we may see um, a certain type of relationship mm-hmm. that reminds us of this, but it's not necessarily the most conducive to what we want to do, mm-hmm. but it reminds us of a time where maybe life was a little bit better. That's why we hold on to it. Um, is that something, since you mentioned it, when you help them work through that, how liberating is it for that person? It's absolutely liberating. And then, listen, they're getting lighter already. Remember, like there's physical weight, but there's spiritual weight and there is emotional weight. So even before it starts showing up physically, their spirit is getting lighter. You know, the little pep in your step, you know, the joy of, of the elevation within themselves. So what 
would you want to tell um, the next group of people in regards to their spiritual journey? Like what advice would you want to give to them? If you can speak to the a crowd of the generation after us. There's so many things in this world that are outside of ourselves that we don't have any influence with, but that the greatest relationship we have is with ourselves and how we are being with ourselves, no matter what we're going through. So that the conversation with ourselves, the most important conversations we can have, get in the mirror, look yourself in your soul and, and talk together, get on your own team, be your own best friend. Me, myself, and I is more than a Beyonce song. It's a, it's a relationship. It's a triple. <laughs> and so, and that, you know, and, and that also takes away that sense of I'm by myself, you know, because we, we talk to, like, we might say, oh, what do I want to eat today? And then we answer back, I think I want some, I want some pieces. Sometimes people say it out loud, but this conversation is going on all the time. So get conscious about the conversation that you're having within yourself and invest in yourself. Look at, I love the internet now for, you know, for the way that we can just grab a positive video and listen and turn to things like your podcast or my podcast and, and all the wonderful work that's out there. Invest in the time, nurturing yourself. You know, I go on TikTok, I'll admit it, <laughs> but, you know, also use that phone as a, personal, professional growth tool. You know, there's meditations, there's, there's different people that'll send you daily inspiration. I have inspirational things popping. Might as well keep getting the Gmail notifications and things. I also get, you know, spiritual reminders. Ah, take a breath right now. Oh, okay. Let me stop and take a breath right now. You know, that's, that's lovely because I, I feel the same way. I, I have, what I have a certain aspect of my life where, like you, where you have the daily affirmations, you have the positivity, you have a space where you can just let loose, mm-hmm. where nothing else really matters. And you can just be in a state of comfort, like relaxation. And then you go back to the, because it's like recharging. Mm-hmm. We all need to recharge our batteries. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sorry.